You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Amen. All right. So last week I spoke about the best use of time. I'm not singing today. I'm surprising myself. But I think time is gone. So I would like to preach. I think I do have um, a couple of things I'd like to say. So let's go. I think we'll, if I, if I can't hold it anymore in the middle of my message, I just break into song. Understand that I have not sung here. So... <laughs> So that's about, we spoke about the best use of time. And um, it's this whole concept about how do I maximize my life, okay? the life that God has given me. And um, today I want to speak about, uh, out of Matthew chapter 25, uh, one of my favorite books in, um, in the Bible, or my chapters in the Bible, because it contains a lot of very nice stories which... I find a lot of application for. Um, but, but the message um, God has laid in my heart, um, I've tried to title The Power of a Small Thing. And I, so there are two things I need to do after the message. I need to pray for the church. Um, that's one thing. And I need to give an altar call. Um, an altar call is, look, if there's anybody here in church who your relationship with God, you are not sure about it, things have broken down, you never really given your life to Christ. So I'd like to make that call at some point, okay? But the power of a small thing. So God always seems to define and deliver greatness in a very different way from how men see things, okay? So when Samuel goes to Jesse's house to appoint or to anoint a new king, um, he sees the first brother, the first son, who is, you know, uh, all nicely put together, looks very kingly, just doesn't have a throne, his six-pack, um, you know, whatever else uh, they had in those days. And he says, surely this is the Lord's anointed. God says, no, I, I don't look like, you know, it's not the things you see on the outside that I also consider. Okay, um, so one, where this message for me is interesting and important is how this question about, look, I know, I hear that God wants me to be great. But does God know who I am? Does he know how things are in Lagos? Does he know what the exchange rate is? Does he remember the things that I have done? Um, and you say things like, look, don't I need to be big to be great? And, and I just going down that path where we you know, ask ourselves whether God's definition of greatness is predicated on size or prominence. Okay? Um, so, so sometimes God just seems fascinated with small things. In, um, I think as, as, as this developed in my heart. I remember that there were two people who God will approach about the things he wanted to do for them. First was Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, when you read verse 15, he begins to explain to God who created him and knows all things. He says, So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Okay? He says, look, I'm, I'm not that big of a deal. I'm not, what I have, what I represent, is not that big of a deal. So how can you talk about all these fancy things that you want to do with me? He says, but I am not that big of a deal. And it, it was interesting because I kind of remembered that I had seen that phrase before. So I checked and indeed, the uh, Bible says that Saul, you read 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 21, 
Saul, in responding to Samuel's attempt to anoint him as king of Israel, says, and the Bible says in 1 Samuel 9.21, And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin, why then do you speak so or like this to me? You know, and it's, so it's interesting that sometimes God is just fascinated with what we think is small. Um, Gideon's story, when you read, um, God sends him to battle against a huge army. He says that he takes about 30-something thousand soldiers. Get to a point, God says, look, this, this is a bit too much. I'm not sure you, this, we don't need this many people. They're already outnumbered, but then God sends out, I think he says, look, just tell the army, people who are afraid should go home. And just imagine you're Gideon. You probably say it hoping that maybe 10 people go, right? You've told them we're going to fight. These people are more. But, but I think like 20,000 just pack their fins. Uh, see you later. You guys let us know how it goes. God bless you, right? We'll follow on Twitter. You're like, where are we going? Just, <laughs> they all head off. 20,000. And you're left with 10,000. You know, your mind, you're like, ha, God. What kind of? And you're like, eh, well, maybe it was even good. These people are afraid. They can, they can spoil things for us. And then a bit further down the line, God says, this number is still a bit too much. He says, let's go to the pool. Let's do a small test. He says, let them drink. <laughs> and I think by the time God does his calculation, there are 300 left. You know, Gideon probably thought in his mind, just cuckoo kill me. What's this? <laughs> What's left? If we say we're going to battle, let's know we're going to battle. But how do we say from 30-something thousand to 10, then to 300? What? We're not a, that's not a battle now. They just want to make sure they were witnesses at my burial. <laughs> okay. But God seems to have a fascination with small things. And that, that's what I want to talk about. It's interesting, these two characters I mentioned, the Bible says where they found Gideon, he was hiding in the wine press, threshing wine. And when you read First Samuel, I think it's chapter 10, when they are looking for Saul, uh, the prophet says there's a select. The prophet says they can't find him. And the prophet says he's hiding amongst the equipment, one translation says. And um, one of the things I would love to speak to us about is about the small things that God has given us and how we have a penchant for bearing them. Okay? So let's read out of Matthew chapter 25. And we've just joined the story. It's about a man who is traveling to a far country, calls his servants together, gives them good. His good. So verse 15 says, And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. 
22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. 24 is where we want to focus. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered to him and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at my coming. I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast your profitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. So help me ask the person next to you, look, so how many talents did God give you? Okay. okay. And I like how, you know, because it's a lovely play on word. I, I saw somebody replying two, three, it's like 55, 70. We're coming, wait. And it's a lovely play on words, the use of the, the currency called the talent, because it makes the preaching of a message about the things that God has given you very easy. But it's essentially a currency. But stewardship emanates from understanding that God has delivered stuff to our custody. Okay, so all that I have and all that I am belongs to God. And it's given to me to hold in trust. So God owns me. Everything that I am, everything that I have, belongs to God. Everything. It's very important to settle that. Everything that I have. God owns me, you know, lock, stock, and barrel. Okay? Um, what has happened, and I noticed this over the last couple of years, is that when we teach about how to maximize your life, we sometimes try to focus people, and rightly so, on what we say is their area of strength, your gifting, okay? And, and there's nothing, so I'm not bashing that. I'm just telling you what God has laid in my heart. And that is fine. The only challenge is that we then begin to... Um, classify certain things as not mattering because or yes because they are not special and so we say it is not it's not special it's not a gift there are plenty of people who can do this it's just one it's not a unique something you know like can you see how when falabi is singing you see that gift it's not like that this my own is it's not like that Right? And, and what we do very skillfully, like the servant in Matthew 25, is that we bury those gifts, those talents, those abilities. And don't forget we're talking about how to maximize our life. Okay? If we bury them so well that nobody can see them on the surface. Not, I mean, the, the servant had to have buried this talent 
if you had just buried it carelessly, someone else would have found it, something of value. And they would say, ah, talent, who has this, who has this talent here? You, nobody, nobody. I've tried, oh, God saw my heart. I, I didn't then take, you know, walk away. But he buried it so skillfully. And the Bible says the master was away for a long time. But yet nobody found out. Will you please help me ask your neighbor, if you're new to life point, this is how the pastor gets by. Or just half of a message, tell somebody something. But help me ask them, where did you bury it? <laughs> in fact, let me ask them, what have you buried? <laughs> because you, you need to have buried it so skillfully that nobody knows. So the person sitting next to you, you know, has been blessed by God with so much. But all you see is all they want you to see. Let me tell them, bring it out, bring it out. <laughs> in Ephesians chapter 5 says, to make the most of every opportunity. To make the most of every opportunity. So we've, we've arrived at that place where if it's not special, it doesn't matter. If it's not one in a million, it doesn't matter. Okay? And um, I, I found it interesting that the guys who had five and two found more in fact, they got to um, the big place, if you could call it that, as they engaged what they had been given. Okay, So that everything that God gives us is an opportunity. And I'll explain that in a minute. I think in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, do not despise the days of little beginning. Do not despise the small things. Do not despise the small things. First uh, Corinthians 1 uh, Paul says in uh, chapter 1, if you read 26 to 28, he says God uses the, the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, the weak things to confound the strong. So God wants not just your big things, but also your small things. Not just your big things, but also your small. So what are your small things? If, you, if the person on the left has not been cooperating when you talk to look at the other person. What are your small things? What are your small things? For someone, is your smile. It's a, it's a small thing. For someone, is your voice. I mean, my voice, I was looking at two guys singing to them. My mind was like, what? And then Tolu now came and said, I, I, my mind was like, yeah, well, I can sing better than Tolu. But, <laughs> but I can't sing like Falabi. Yeah, it's a small thing. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe your money. It's not your 30 billion, but hey. <laughs> it's a small thing. Maybe it's your six pack or four or two. Or, or one. Come on now, or two. I didn't say one. Maybe it's your education. You were not privileged to go. I won't say it because you're an Okay. You ain't privileged to go to where I went to. All right? <laughs> Not everybody goes to Uniben, but you didn't go there. Yeah, yeah, we know. But so you went to Unilag. Okay, relax. <laughs> Small thing. Okay, and don't come to me after service. It's just part of this. Don't worry. Don't, I did. What is your small thing? Because so what it is is that whole thought about the gifting and the passion and talent. What it does when we teach it in a way where we're only looking for the special thing is that it gives us permission to discount everything else. And when we talk about maximizing life, I realize, and that is you know, it's very strong in my heart, that God does not put things in our life by mistake. 
So your influence, your past, your reputation, the fact that you have a network. There's some people who are like, they're like, they're the, they're the controllers. They know, they're the ones who, they're the life of the party. They're the ones who, in, you introduce all your friends together. You, you have a, you can organize things. You can arrange things, right? Most people have this one person in their home who arranges for the whole house. You know, my wife used to tell me about her younger sister who every now and then was just possessed by a good spirit would just bring down her entire wardrobe and just, even I are sometimes like that. Okay? I'm not saying my wife doesn't arrange. I'm just saying I arrange more than she does. Okay? <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> what, or you have a sense for, you just have an eye. You just have an eye for, for color. Or you know how to, I, I don't know what it is, but, but the challenge is that when you compare that thing with what other people have, it's not as big. It's not as big. But the wisdom of God is often counterintuitive. And, and that's where we'll just stay on this morning. So, so, uh, so sometimes we're looking for size, God is looking for influence. Sometimes we're looking for you know, visibility, fame, or prominence, and God is talking about significance. Sometimes we are looking for fame, and God is talking about legacy. Sometimes we're looking for money, God is talking about wealth. Um, and, and I just, so that whole, so this guy, this guy in Matthew 25, it's a curious case, and I just want to stop by, is there any of us who is like that? Who had one talent? And has buried it. So why do we sometimes bury our talents? Uh, you know, why? Let's just a couple of reasons, very quickly. One, we compare them with the talents of those who have more or nicer talents. Like I said before. You know we've, and I, please, just, I have to say this. You know we have this Mr. Endowed Syndrome. Okay? I don't know, I can't remember how the song goes. I'm not forming, but I know there's a song that goes, I'm endowed, you're endowed. Remember the song? Shola. <laughs> you know, Shola. <laughs> okay, but you know there's that song, and I just realized over the last couple of years there's this, this whole thing about oh I, I have and you don't have. It's what pushes people to want to make an impression where you want to put not even your best foot. You you want to put any foot forward. It doesn't even have to be your own, as far as it's on your social media page. Just share a food that looks like yours. There was a gentleman who people were harassing about the fact that this week about how he said he traveled on a private plane, but he was in a plane, but he didn't know the person beside him or near him had, was following him on Instagram, and they were both on a commercial. Like, ah, why can't you be on a private plane? We're both here together now. You know, but I was like, we are flying commercial. You may be even flying business class. Why do you have, to, what is private? You don't, if you're flying private, you didn't say you own, but it's that thing that pushes us to say, you know, mine must be bigger and nicer before it can be that which God wants to use. In uh, 2 Corinthians 10, Paul says uh, about those who compare themselves one with another, he says they are not wise, 10, 12. Sometimes we are worried that we might misappropriate it. Uh, the guy says in Matthew 25, he says, I was afraid. And went and hid your talent in the ground. Look here, you have what is yours. So we're afraid that we might misappropriate it. Sometimes we are worried because we don't understand what it is God wants to do with it. You know, we don't, we don't really know. What, what, 
what could he want? I'll come back to this very quickly. Sometimes we think that all our, the things that God wants to use must have immediate commercial value. Sometimes we say, ah, look, how, do you, how does this translate from, you know, how, this cannot make me hammer. Okay, I can smile. I have a warm personality, but how, as they say, who smiling help? <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. Who, who, what, how, is that, how is that helpful? Sometimes you have been told by other people that that particular gift, thing, ability, is not worth much. I don't know. It might have been, you know, someone. It might be a father, a mother, a friend, someone who had a knife. It told you that yours wasn't worth much. And, you know, the power of a small thing, the power of a small thing, in John chapter 6, is this fascinating story. How do we engage it? But it's a fascinating story. How, how do we bring out the power in a small thing? So there's, Jesus is saying, look, it's a crusade. There are thousands of people. There are thousands of people. There are thousands of people. They've been having a fascinating time in the crusade. And they realize that, look, man, people are, maybe one or two people have fainted. You know? People are, maybe Jesus is sharing deep revs. The kingdom of God is... And people are just like, ah, oh, man, hunger. And Jesus realizes, man, these guys are not listening anymore, man. They've zoned out. And he picks it. These guys are hungry. These guys are hungry. And in verse 9, in John chapter 6, he says, um, one of the disciples comes to him and says, there's a lad here who has five loaves and two small fish. He says, but what are they among so many? Help me ask your neighbor, what are they among so many? If I tell the other neighbor, that is why I hid it. That is why, that's, why, that's why I buried it. Go ahead. That's why I buried it. But what are they among so many? Because it's like, you know, we don't understand what, what can... Oh, thank you very much, Philip. So Philip comes and says, look, this is a young man. He's got... This bread looks like donut, but it's all right. We'll take it. It's five. But, but there's, a, there's a huge crowd. And even before you bribe, see, you've tasted one already. <laughs> but there's no conceivable way. It's just five loaves. And they actually do have fish here for me to do. Did you get this fish? <laughs> but it's just five. And it's not even, I mean, so it's a, it's a little boy's lunch. Um, it's a young boy's lunch. So imagine that when he left home, his mom said, I hear you want to go out to the crusade. So I'm going to give you... So the mom wasn't giving him big loaves. No, your mom didn't give you big loaves. She gave him small loaves. And they're the type of bread that you like. So you weren't keen on... You didn't even think that you were going to share. Just small loaves. And two fish. You like fish. Not meat. Not talking. Fish. And so the boy put it in his, his bag, you know? And the disciples are probably walking around saying, Who, who's got food? Who's selling food? Anybody? Nobody. Who has an app or can order food? Nobody. No apps yet. But he's got fish, so they can smell the fish. Hmm. Called, you, you, you have something. You have, there's something in your bag. But says, no. There's something in your bag. I can smell fish. 
<laughs> I says, bring it out. And then you have five loaves. Then it's, 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 that's it's nice bread. From Mama Julie. I said, yes. <laughs> Jesus. This boy buried five loaves, two fishes. But what is it among so many? Help me tell the person next to you, there's something fishy about you. I'm not sure. I can't put my hand on it. I can't put my, I really, I can't put my hand on it, but there's something fishy about, no, please, and I'm serious, because just help me preach today. Tell, tell them there's something, let me ask them, did you bury something somewhere? <laughs> and the Bible says that Jesus took the bread. I'm very tempted to take a bite out of this, but um, then I know I can't preach after. The Bible says, so Jesus took the bread, and starts to, he gives thanks. And this is what the boy had buried. This is what the boy had hoped, you know. And I was saying to myself, may I not call small what can transform a whole nation? May I not just hide it in my satchel and think, this is my lunch. It's not even fit for blessing others. This is my lunch. I'm just going to eat it and be happy. And the Bible says that Jesus begins to share the lunch. God bless you. You can't be sharing it. Okay. <laughs> the Bible says Jesus begins to... Any bachelors, you can, it's good bread. You can have some. The Bible says Jesus begins to share this lunch. And not only does it feed the whole crowd, but it, there's enough left... What, you know, I ask myself, what did this boy think about it when they were taking his bread? I just thought, they were, these guys are obtaining me. They're putting me under pressure. Me, this is bread I normally eat. In fact, I know this bread is not enough for me normally. It's just because I want to control myself that I want to eat only five. Someone says, what is my gift? It's not even a gift. Ah, didn't you wear when uh, Tolo Shinawa came to the stage? See, he was even quoting Hebrew. Hebrew. I don't know Hebrew. So how can you say I have a teaching gift? What am I going to teach? I, I can't, I can't do, ah, no. You know when, when, uh, when Oyinda, when she, when she arranges something like this, ah, no. She, she directs the play, that big play. I can't even, my own, I, I can't. And so we hide it. And, and, and I wonder what small thing God has given you that you've hidden. That is my message. That is the message that the Lord has given. Because there is someone who is striving. They have a vision of ten talents. They have a sensing that God has called them to achieve ten talents. But all they can see is just one. So they say, I will use it when it becomes 10. But people walk past you every day like, ah. <laughs> there's something about you. No, there's nothing. There's nothing. You know, every now and then the fish comes up. You can smell, ah, you can do this. No, 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 I can't. I can't. How do I engage the power of my small thing? I submit it to Jesus in prayer and service. Because what happened was when he gave those, I'm sure the boy just was saying, I want to see the magic 
that these people can do. I want to see, no, because I've told this Philip guy, this bread is my food. It can't do anything. But he wants to embarrass me. He will be the one that will be embarrassed. I've told Pierre, this spoken word that I do, I only, some of you guys, you, the poems you write to girls when you are in love, there's poetic ability in your heart. Won't you bless a generation? I mean, I, I see some people, and I'm not joking when I say this. You can see that the person has content on the inside. But you wait for it's either when they've pressurized you at work, if at all, or you look for some... You, you, it doesn't seem like a big thing to you. Some of you, you know that you have the ability to move communities. But I submitted to Jesus in service, in prayer. I love the Samaritan woman. I've been unable to move past her story in the last couple of weeks. Because when Jesus meets her, he says, you've been married to five men. And the one you are living with now is not your husband. For you to be married to five men, five different times, there must be something about you. You must either be super pretty or super wealthy or your father is super wealthy but five times in a very old culture like that. <laughs> After the second husband, people were like, don't, don't worry, ah, we'll just be relating. You know? But five times. But she had some influence. And what I move past that because what impresses me is not just the encounter she has with Jesus. It's how she's immediately able. The Bible says she runs into the city. And that's when you know she's an influential person. And she literally brings an entire city out to meet Jesus. And somebody, does, you know that. And you knew even when you were young. When you told the people in your class, we're going to play football. Everybody goes. Even if Jumoke said, no, we're not playing football. We're going to play basketball. He said, no, we're playing football. Let's go. Everybody followed you and left Jumoke. You were a leader. You now come to the house of God. You come. He says, come and lead small group. No, no, no. No, I just want to, I just want to fellowship. It's a personal work. And they said, there's something fishy. They said, no, no, there's nothing. I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. I cannot lead. I've told you before. Some of you, your neighbors cannot hear a word in the morning. You are singing for the Lord. Oh, Nisha! You know, off key, on key, mid key. You can, but you can, you, perhaps you can sing. Some of you, you, you look at stuff done here, you're like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, who is planning the strategy of this thing? Who is arranging this thing? Don't you know that green does not go with this? You can see it. Sometimes I come to the stage with ah, RPI, light blue and green. No, it's, it's not working. <laughs> but you, can, you, you know it, but you've buried it. The Samaritan woman heads off with this passion, this gift. You know, so one thing that helps about bringing your gifts to Jesus in prayer and service is I was asking myself, when is the last time I passionately thanked God about my life? Not just, oh, Father, I thank you. No, passionately. I, I thought about everything that I am and began to thank God. Not just the special things, but the small things. 
someone comes to church, ah, these ushers, they don't really smile. They don't know how to greet people. But you know that if you, there's, you know if, we put, if you smile at people, they will, some people, they won't enter church until they see you. They, because you're smiling. You know you're warm like that. So I submitted to Jesus. So he gives the, the bread to Jesus in faith. Um, the second thing I talked about the power of a small thing and how to bring the power of a small thing out is, I said, look, the anointing of the Holy Spirit makes a huge difference on a small thing. David did not kill Goliath just because he had a stone and a, and a sling. No. Because sometimes we forget what happened to David before he went out. The Bible says in 1 Samuel that he had been anointed by the prophet. So there was an anointing upon David's life that made a difference. It wasn't just the fact that he had a small... No. Because the anointing upon a small thing that a small boy carried allowed him to do what the training, the giftings of warriors and generals could not do. And this is Again, the whole concept of prayer. The whole concept of prayer. This is why I encourage people, look, just take out time and pray over your life. I know you like being heroic, you like praying for other people, interceding for Australia, praying for the president to get better. God bless you. I know, keep it up. You stay awake all night, you do a vigil for Malaysia, Seoul, no problem. All I ask as your friend, once in a while, take 30 minutes. And just pray in tongues over your own life. Just pray in the spirit over your own life. And see what the Lord can do with a small thing. Listening and responding quickly to instructions from God. I find that what happens with the small thing is sometimes if you listen to God and you respond to him, and you know, and, and one day we'll talk about how they've come to get me already. <laughs> we'll talk about how God um, I do need 10 minutes actually guys, just relax. Okay. Um, we'll talk about how God leads us, but taking instructions from God about our small things seriously. I keep praying that I will constantly rise in faith and not, not, not be held back by the fear of failure or rejection. <laughs> um, the, the master says to the servant, look, if you were afraid to employ it for profit, he says, why didn't you even take it to the place where maybe they wouldn't pay you much? And I, I talk about this thing called the bankers of our gifts, the, the place of interest, the place of reward, where you even begin to employ everything that God has given you, whether you are being paid for it or not, just because there is a possibility that God will bless someone. I normally say that promotion happens when a small thing in the hands of a grateful person acquires an anointing on it as it's been lovingly employed in service. So we take a small thing in the heart of a grateful person when it meets an anointing and you lovingly employ it in service. So what, you know, 
what I sensed God wanted us as a house to respond to in this season, as we talk about how to maximize your life, was where you realize, look, I want to be fully accountable. I've got my special gifts. That's fantastic. We celebrate God for you. But it says every small thing. I can't move beyond the example of a smile. I don't know why. Maybe you should just try in traffic tomorrow and just be distributing smiles. Yeah, some people will think you are crazy. No problem. It won't change your mental state. But you might just brighten someone's life. Someone might be looking for a sign from God. Someone is maybe you're writing, and you know you write well. Someone is the way you talk. Someone, I don't know what it is. I was so gladdened. In my heart, someone walked up to me uh, two, last week and says, look, um, I like to join to clean the church. Because I realize that sometimes as we become more modern in church, what happens is that sometimes we outsource everything but allows people to deploy their small things. And so you only want to do a big thing in church. You know that um, God creates us not just with one thing. I'll end with this. Okay? The gifting that took David to the palace was not the same one that brought him to national attention. What took David to the palace was the ability to sing or to make music. We forget that. It was a small thing. He was doing it for free. But some guys had heard him play. And not only had they heard him play, they knew that this playing was different because on the day they did not call, and I'm not going to call anybody's name, but they, they, they knew that when they heard Falabi sing, it seemed like his small thing had encountered an anointing. So, they knew there was a way they felt. It was some, there was something, you know. And so they said to Saul, look, let's invite Fulabi to Asorok. And, and when he plays, hmm, I'll leave that one there, okay? <laughs> All things will be well. Let, let's invite him. But it wasn't that gift that brought him to national recognition. It was the whole warrior thing look at Joseph. It was not... So Joseph could interpret dreams. That took him to the palace. But it wasn't his interpretation of dreams that made him prime minister. It was all the administrative ability that he had harnessed over the couple of years at Potiphar's house in prison. So when he had interpreted the dream, the problem was there. He said, how do we solve it? And that gift of administration kicked in. So sometimes... The ticket that takes you there is not the visa that gets you in. So God is very interested, not just in your big things, but also in your small things. It says to Moses in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2, Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. This is what I believe God has asked me to share with the church today. It's that place where you... You know, they say the gift of a man will make room for him. But is that place where you get to the place of permission. You even get to the address where your room is by the employment of small things. So finally, my brethren, and this is finally, 
how do we maximize our lives? You know, the Bible says in Matthew 25, that to everyone who had um, done something with the small things, the master would talk about enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. And I, and I say, look, come the closer we are to using the things God has given us, small or big, the more joy we find in life. And I know we're a generation that talk about how sometimes stressful and unhappy and depressed life can be and we can be. And I realize that sometimes what holds people back and makes them depressed is that the fish that you hid in the deepest parts of your pockets is, is beginning to give off an off smell. When we pray today, I mean, I want to pray for the church today. When we pray today, it's, look, God, give me every opportunity to use everything, not just the big ones or the small ones. Even if my audience is one person, let me be a blessing. When I come to church, I say, Father, I'm going to preach. It's 10 people, it's 500, I'm going to preach. I don't know what God has blessed you with. Years ago, I found that one of my small things was the ability to be a friend. So I would find people would introduce me to other people and say, ah, he's my friend and my pastor. And I was like, when it happened the first time, it happened the second time. I started to realize that, yes, it was a small thing. I'm not, uh, I mean, I'm not a politician. But I realized it was a small thing, and I realized it was uh, something God was willing to use. And so, for the last couple of years, I'm a friend star. I can make friends for Nigeria. And I've seen people get blessed. It's a simple prayer today. A simple prayer. Lord, everything. So when I say everything, I don't just mean that which is fancy. The simple prayer this morning is, Lord, what have I buried? Let's bring it out. It's a very simple prayer. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.